California is one of the most beautiful states. And like every state in the union, it's filled with exceptional women who have stories to tell. Last week, we recorded a story in Laguna Beach, high on a hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And this week, we're in Palm Springs, home of mid-century modern architecture, at an iconic property I've been coming to for about 25 years, called the Acatillo Lodge. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In the spotlight, we've got a woman who owns two mid-century modern bungalows right here at the Acatillo Lodge, which was built by Jean Autry in 1957 and designed by the famous mid-century architect William Kreisel. To get to know her is to get a glimpse into the art of someone who loves to be a part of making things uniquely beautiful. Her name is Rosa Hu. She's a designer with her very own fashion line called House of Who, mystical adornments for the body, soul, and space, including brightly colored caftans made of vintage fabric, rose water, minerals, jewelry. She's got it all. As we settled into the interview, Palm Springs is about to welcome thousands of fans from all around the world to celebrate mid-century modern architecture. So I had to ask Rosa what drew her to this historic location and to this oasis in the desert. Well, I love it for many reasons. One, it's only two hours from L.A., which is my home base. (laughs) But it's so completely different. It's a whole other world here. You have nature, you have beautiful architecture, good restaurants. So when I first started introducing you, I said that the Acatillo Lodge, built in 1957 by Gene Autry, known as the Singing Cowboy. Now, he used to film westerns on a movie set not far from here called Pioneer Town. And the story goes that first he built a bowling alley for his friends out in the desert. And then he wanted to bring them to Palm Springs so they could all be together. So he built the Acatillo Lodge. Have you heard this story? I didn't know that. I love the bowling alley part of it. I never heard that story. Yeah. So William Kreisel was the architect that he chose to build this place. And I wondered for you as a designer, and we're going to talk all about what you do for a living, but (laughs) what is your sense of this place? Why do you think it's so special? Besides the history, just from a design standpoint, I feel like it's just designed very intelligently. We all have our little units, but they're completely private. We have floor to ceiling glass, but no one can see anything. And the layout has stood the test of time. I wouldn't really change the layout because I've I've done a lot of work on my places. And I love just the whole layout and the design of it. Give us a description, if you would, of mid-century modern architecture. The feel of it, the colors they used, the vibe, because keep in mind, this is after World War II, a very hopeful time in our nation. GIs coming home, building houses all around the country, prosperity, and mid-century modern. Well, I'm no expert on that by any means, but I will say that my take on it is it was a time when everyone just wanted to be happy. So the colors here are very happy. There's nothing really depressing about this place. It's almost overly happy, but it's amazing. It's white mixed with bright colors, and it's just very positive and hopeful of a brighter future, probably over what someone has already been through. I feel like it's a fantasy. Everybody wants to come here. There's so many things 
you can find to love about Palm Springs? Well, the houses that are all around the Ocotillo oh, Lodge amazing. were built by William Kreisel, yeah. and he was very famous for roofs that look like butterfly wings, yes. right? Yes. And the colors that they used were these very, you know, vibrant coral colors and the room that we're in has yeah. teal and and there are cactus everywhere and glass furniture and chrome on cars and just yes. big yes right and very uh, space age futuristic it's all fun and fantasy sometimes reality can be a little depressing so who doesn't want to live in a fantasy and this is a fantasy come to life and people are just so much nicer i feel like well, the Akatio Lodge is now a historic landmark. Yes. And there's reason for that. This particular location was the temporary home of people like Marilyn Monroe and Lucille Ball and Gracie Allen and George Burns. John F. Kennedy was here. President Eisenhower was here. The Rat Pack used to come and stay here. Yes. And I've heard the story that Sammy Davis Jr., because he was a black man, mm -hmm. back in the day before the civil rights movement, couldn't get a drink at the bar. So they created a secret smoking room behind some glass doors in the lobby so that all the Rat Pack could come together and enjoy their friend Sammy Davis Jr. What oh, do you think I, of that story? I love that. I think that is the greatest story. I am just hearing that now for the first time. I never knew I'm that. I'm full of stories. I've been yeah. coming here for so many oh years. God. No, that's an amazing story. I mean, I am Chinese. I am a minority. My parents are from another country. And so that really hits home for me. Hollywood lore. This was the place for people to come. And at one point, the pool that William Kreisel designed. The champagne cork. <laughs> just like a champagne cork was the biggest pool in the desert. Yes. And so everybody would come here. It's part of the mid-century tour. And I can't wait to see pictures of your unit, oh. <laughs> which is, I guess, a little bohemian. Uh, just a little. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's not necessarily mid-century modern. Let's just say my place is very colorful, a lot of texture, lots of rugs, and a lot of vintage. And now I want to hear about your story. So okay. let's jump right into it. Let's talk about you. What was life like in your house? Tell us where you're from. I was born in New York, but I don't remember it because we moved to California when I was a baby. But I wish that we would have stayed there. My mom worked on Wall Street in the 70s, and she was really into fashion. And that's where I get it from. I wanted to be a designer my whole life. What's it like to have a mom who works on Wall Street? Because I'm guessing, and obviously you were just a baby at the time, but any woman who has a career on Wall Street has to be a real go-getter. Tell me about your mom. Oh, she definitely was. She designed computer systems, mainframe computer systems for major corporations. And so she was... On the cutting edge, my goodness. Yeah, she really was. And she was fabulous. And she looked the part, you know. <laughs> very glamorous. She was very glamorous. My mom was fabulous. And she was very smart and very determined. And coming from a culture where women aren't really re necessarily regarded as being worth as much as men. My mom grew up in a house with five brothers. And she always felt like she was last to be considered for anything and you're just supposed to get married and have kids and... And that's she, your identity. Yes, and that's as a mother. That is your whole life. And nothing against mothers. I mean, I'm so proud of my own mother, but she wanted more for herself and she had multiple degrees. She painted, she wrote poetry that was published. She did all kinds of things and had this fabulous career and was also a mother. So she is who ultimately inspired me in so much of my life. 
What was the message in your house then as you were growing up as a little girl and the daughter of a Chinese woman who would accomplish so many things? Don't ever think that you can't do anything for whatever reason, for being a minority, being a woman. She's like, I don't have perfect English, but she studied till the day she died. She was, you know, would ask me to translate things for her. And she just said, don't let anything stop you and don't use anything as an excuse. Did you have your dad's support as you started making your way in life? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> was he more of a traditionalist? My dad was very traditional, very conservative. My mother was much more progressive than he was. He supported me because he was my father. Of he course. was my parent and he loved me, but he didn't understand me. Like, you know, all my parents' friends' kids were doctors and lawyers. And I wanted to be a designer. <laughs> and then he didn't know what the hell that was. <laughs> well, let's talk about your designer career. Okay. So when you were a little girl, were you somebody who was always dressing your dollies up? And, you know, how did how the whole designer thing start? I know you were inspired yeah. by the fact that your mom was pretty glamorous. Yes, I think it all started there because <laughs> I came from her. But yeah, I mean, I would look through her closet like when she was at work. You know, I'd look through her closet. I'd get up early to help her pick out what pearls to wear with her suit in the morning. <laughs> you know, her makeup, oh my God, just like for miles and jewelry. And I, I loved all of it. When did you figure out that you wanted to go into fashion and to go into design? Really, honestly, my whole life. Like, Did you ever want to do anything else? Everything I wanted to do was all design related. First of all, was clothing. Wanted to design clothing. That was my favorite thing. But I also design jewelry and I make jewelry and I love interiors and I love crystals. And I, I actually, which I need to give you one, I design mineral stands. They're brass mineral stands for you to display your minerals on. So anything just design related. And presentation. I, I guess yes, you get a visual. There's a visual and a yeah. joy yes. in creating it's these It's something things. to honor that thing that you love. Like you love that crystal in your hand. Why not put it in a beautiful stand and elevate it? Where'd you go to school? I went to FITM. What does that stand for? Um, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. I graduated high school in June. I went to FITM in July. I graduated when I was 19. And then I went straight into the garment industry. And I've been in the Shmata industry <laughs> since I was 19. Let's talk about that. You're 19 okay. years old. You got yourself a degree from yeah. FITM. What were those first few years of your career like? And what were you doing? They were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> There's an honesty. answer. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Completely disillusioned. It's not the glamorous. Well, especially because you're first starting out, right? So you take any job you can get. At one point, I was the, an assistant to six designers you're working 60 hours a week. You're working Saturdays and Sundays. I remember we worked the whole month of November at one job. And the biggest thing they said was, okay, well, here's, you know, free turkey for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but, you know, that's what you had to do. The garment industry is very fast paced. Do you have to earn your stripes? You do. And I worked at several large companies all over Los Angeles that look great on paper, but it just wasn't for me. At that point... I stopped caring about titles, climbing up that ladder, and I realized that I just want to do my own thing, and I started freelancing, actually, with Trina. So you met the legendary Trina the Turk. The legendary Trina Turk. Yes, we met from she a She took you friend. under her wing. She did. I mean, this was 20-something years ago, and I met her through a friend. She had started her company, but it was very new, and so we were just friendly. I'd see her around town at fashion stuff. And at the flea markets, we both collected vintage. 
and you know would always say hello and she was always the sweetest and when I had left my last big corporate job and moved back to Los Angeles she contacted me and said hey I heard that you moved back and you know I know that full-time is not your thing like do you want to try freelancing the company's growing and we get along and so I met with her and I've been with her ever since. <laughs> Tell me what you learned from somebody like Trina Turk about fashion, oh about style. I learned so much from Trina, but I will say the number one thing is integrity more than anything, because I think that we all have our own style and I love her integrity. She's very down to earth. She's such a nice person. She did so much for me in my career. I credit her because had she not suggested freelancing, I mean, all I'd known was full-time. And I was miserable, and I was thinking, maybe I just, I should leave fashion. And it was something I'd loved my entire life. And because That's she- That's soul-crushing, isn't it? It, it is. It's like, well, what am I going to do, you know? And you're just, you're bitter, you know what I mean? Mm. And so introducing freelance to me and letting me have the time to really think about what made me happy changed my whole life. And so I always credit her with that. For our listeners who don't know Trina Turk, describe her Oh God! and her fashion. <laughs> well, she is a staple in the desert, and she designs very colorful, vintage-inspired, positive clothing. She likes optimism, the optimism of the desert. And it's not just an image. Like, that's really who she is. Like, she's a very positive person. You know, she's gone through a lot, and she's never been anything less than amazing to me. As you decided that you were going to design some of your own clothing, talk about what you're creating. I had time to do my own thing. And so I designed sweaters. So I had started a cashmere line. And just as I was taking off, you know, I'd gotten orders with like Nordstrom and the economy crashed. And it was 2008 and just... Timing is everything. Yeah. And I was like, I just got my first Nordstrom's order and it was a huge order for all doors. And I shut everything down, but I think about it, and I'm not necessarily sad. One, you know, whatever's meant to be is meant to be, right? You have no control. But also, I'm not sad about it because I wasn't necessarily happy because the way I was designing and running my line was what I had learned working for these big corporations. And couldn't sleep at night over inventory and minimums and working overseas, and it wasn't the dream I thought it was going to be. But now... I actually am working in a way where I'm proud of the things I'm making because I use vintage fabrics and I don't put out 10 collections a year. You know, it's three styles and they're timeless. They're one size fits all and they're reusing vintage fabric and I make them in small batches. So they're one of a kind. And I have a woman named Raquel. I love her so much. I pay her a very nice wage where even before the pandemic, so she could work from home and be with her children. And it's just completely different than the giant factories I used to visit, you know, in China when I worked corporate. How can people find out more about your designs? It's called House of Who, because my last name is Who. And so it's House of Who. And that is the name of my line. And I know I, your traveling has really influenced your designs. Yes, I love travel. I think that, one, I'm so lucky that I've been able to travel. And if everyone can please do so. It gives you perspective, not only creatively, but just in life in general, when you see other cultures and how they live, suddenly you have no problems at all. Do you know what I mean? Like you're so grateful. And I mean, even with everything that's going on in America, like I love America. 
I am so happy to live here. I don't want to talk about the negative things. I think that we're all so lucky to have the right to be unhappy. You know what I mean? Like, well, you was- have a different perspective, too, because your parents came from China and they were trying to escape communism. Can you tell us that story? My grandparents came from very affluent families and they worked in the government. They were like the senators, the equivalent of senators. And the communists invaded China and both of my families were anti-communists. So they escaped and went to Taiwan and they had older children that were left behind that they never saw again. And they started the new government in Taiwan. So my parents grew up there and then they got scholarships to come to the U.S., to get their PhDs. My mom went to the University of Mississippi. (laughs) Which is such an odd choice for an immigrant from Taiwan. And my dad went to the University of Tennessee, and this was in the 60s when segregation still existed. And and I I have asked my parents, like, what did you guys do? And my mom's like, you know, I, I didn't know anything about it. You know, we just thought America was America. We didn't know all the regions and what they meant. And she said, you know, the black people rode in the back of the bus, the white people rode in the front. And she's like, I didn't know what to do. So I rode in the middle. But they were only there in the South for two years. They both moved to New York. And that's where they met and got married and had kids. And, you know, what did you learn from them about work ethic? Work is everything. I mean, they put so much into their careers. But they also, you know, they they were very smart and they invested. They bought a lot of real estate. So I kind of grew up in real estate. Well, it sounds like success is their middle name. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, but it's also a culture that pushes you a lot, a lot of pressure. And I also see that you came from that culture, and you have really had a need for balance. Yes. I mean, I understand that culture. I don't agree with a lot of it, you know, especially I I, I do come from my parents, but I was born here. And so I want to say that I apply what they taught me about integrity with work, but into the fields that I like. So I make the clothing that I like now, and I design homes in the style that I like, and hopefully other people will like it too. (laughs) You know, that's where I think experience plays a big role, because you've been there and done that. You know, you had a big career working for gigantic corporations that make large amounts of clothes, working full-time for 60 hours and recognize That's really not what fills my soul. And a lot of the women who are on this program share similar stories. And so I'm wondering if you can pass along some advice to a young woman who might be listening to this show today. And she's just getting started in the fashion industry. What do you say to her? What do you wish you knew when you first got started? I had so many friends that used to say (laughs) they were so bad. They would, you know, walk through the halls of like uh, Otis and just say, turn around, go back, do something else. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to say that to someone because I know what it's like to really love something. But I would say definitely follow your heart and find a way to still love what you love, but make it work for you. You don't have to be a cookie cutter corporate designer. You don't have to live that way. And you don't have to give up fashion. You could still love it, especially now the world is totally changing. It's not what it used to be. I mean, those big companies that I worked for, they're all closed down pretty much. Companies with like 500 to 1,000 stores, they're all gone now. It was the retail apocalypse from a couple of years ago. You are also an entrepreneur. What are the key 
ingredients to being a successful entrepreneur she sighs <laughs> i think i'm like where do i start i i mean honestly i think simple advice can be applied to everything in life is you know what i just said like follow your heart what brings you joy and what makes you happy because at the end of the day it's not how much money you have in the bank it's how happy you are right and if you're happy and you're full of joy it raises your vibration which shields you from sicknesses. That's also why I like colorful designs. And I feel like my caftans, they make people feel fabulous and happy. And ultimately, I feel like that keeps you healthy. I had parents, you know, yes, they were very successful, but they had a lot of depression. And all of that manifested into physical sicknesses. And I feel like if they were just a little happier, and maybe didn't chase that goal so much, they wouldn't have had these illnesses. Tell me what your definition of style is. It's your aura, your energy. It's all of that. I think you look fabulous now, all dolled up, but I thought you looked fabulous when I met you because you're the same person inside. That's your energy. And we were just very casual by the pool. <laughs> God bless you, my friend. I think but, my hair was on top of my head and I had a towel wrapped around me, but other than that. you just as fabulous then as you are now because it's who you are as a person. I love you. <laughs> Next few questions we ask everybody who is a guest on our show. The first one is, when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Sometimes I just need to, you know, sleep or meditate on it for a minute. Sometimes your first reaction, depending on maybe you just came off a really bad phone call or something, and you just need to take a minute and maybe look at it like it's not necessarily a negative obstacle. Maybe it's a learning lesson, or maybe it's something that's going to enrich your life. You just don't see it that way right now. So just take a minute to really kind of digest it. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And this can be professional or it can be personal. And can you pass that along to our listeners today? I think just be true to yourself. Because at the end of the day, that's who you're with forever. <laughs> From birth to death is, you know, yourself, you have to be true to yourself. And you have to honor yourself and respect yourself. And it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. As you look back on this incredible career and a lot of learning along the way, what are you most proud of? Both of my parents are gone. I wish that they were both alive so they could see me now because I did stray from the very traditional path that you know they and their friends you know, all went and say, hey, look, I'm doing pretty good and I did my own thing. You know, I didn't get married and have kids and have this very conventional life, but my life's pretty fabulous. And I think that would have made them proud and make them see that you don't have to live a certain way that everybody thinks you should. Final question, and I okay. want to say thank you so much for coming to my little bungalow here at the Acatillo Lodge in Palm Springs. At this time in your life, in this chapter in your life, what does success mean to you? I think success is visualizing the things that you want to do and then doing them and achieving them. Whatever that is, you know, if somebody wants to lose a little weight or get healthy or buy a place at the Acatillo and redesign it, start a caftan line, whatever it is you want to do in your heart and you do it, then you are successful. And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Rosa Hu for sharing her story with us today. Follow Rosa on Instagram at house underscore of underscore who. 
W-H-O. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile, so if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you please let me know about her? Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. When we share our stories, no matter where we are in this great big world, we provide a roadmap for the next woman to follow. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week on the story behind her success. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.